This is Laura Deirdre with the Becker's Payer Issues Podcast. I'm thrilled today to be joined by Paul Kane, Senior Vice President of Actuarial and Underwriting and Chief Risk Officer of Independence Health Group, the parent company of Independence Blue Cross. Paul, it's a pleasure to have you on the podcast today. Thank you, Laura. I'm really glad to be here today. Now, I know we've got a lot to talk about. There's constantly things changing in healthcare, but before we dive into our discussion, can you tell us a little bit more about yourself and your background? Thanks for the opportunity to uh, explain more about what we're doing at Independence Health Group, which is better known as Independence Blue Cross. So yes, I manage three different teams at at Independence. I'm the Senior Vice President of our Actuarial Team, our Underwriting Team, and the Chief Risk Officer. Uh, Those three roles allow me to spend a lot of time uh, very deep in our insurance activities. Uh, And insurance obviously is related to virtually everything that we do. Uh, My Actuarial and Underwriting Teams are responsible for things like pricing, reserving, medical and pharmacy cost projections. Uh, We assist with product development and our annual planning and strategic planning processes. And we also do a solvency assessment each year. My enterprise risk management team is focused on identifying, mitigating, and managing the seemingly endless number of uh, risks that are facing independence uh, in the operational space, the financial, strategic, and uh, insurance fronts. I have about 140 people that help me do this. Uh, we're located in Philadelphia and we're a branded uh, Blue Cross plan, but we operate in nearly 20 states uh, through our subsidiaries, including a large Medicaid operation called AmeriHealth Caritas. Uh, for some perspective, uh, our revenues in 2022 should be about $25 billion. Wow, that's amazing. And what a you know huge responsibility it is to have a team, 140 plus people, um, and then you know, overseeing such big revenues. When you think about um, you know, your role and your position, how do you take um, into consideration everything that's happening right now with the pandemic and you know, the potential um, for burnout across the healthcare industry into consideration when you're looking at strategic planning going forward? So without question, I think for independence and for most companies, the pandemic has been the biggest uh, distraction that they've had to deal with for a number of years. We've, uh, we are still uh, very, very uh, deeply involved in this. It's very disruptive to our business, and we expect those disruptions to continue into 2022 when, quite frankly, we thought that they would be uh, winding down uh, at this point. Uh, we had identified uh, a pandemic risk as one of our risks on our what we call risk profile about six or seven years ago, and we we gave it a probability of about one in a hundred. So I never thought I would see this uh, during my tenure as chief risk officer, uh, but it it came about, and uh, the impacts were both the same and different from what we had uh, expected. Uh, quite surprisingly, we had we had pegged what the uh, cost of treating people would be, we were fairly accurate on that end. Uh, But what we learned is that this pandemic brought uh, forward a number of other issues that we didn't anticipate would be uh, joined with with our pandemic risk. There was a mass uh, layoffs or or a spike in unemployment. There was a drop in in the equities markets or investment portfolios lost value very rapidly. And uh, and then there was an, a, a lockdown, which resulted in uh, unforeseen and unanticipated uh, depression in utilization, which largely offset the claims that we had uh, saw from the pandemic. So while on one hand, we were accurate that the pandemic would, would uh, impact us in a certain way with uh, 
uh, claim cost, and we expected that our employees would maybe not be able to be coming to work because they would be sick or they would be uh, quarantined. Uh, we we had all these other impacts uh, wrapped up into one, and uh, you know it was quite a challenging uh, period for the first few months as we sorted through those things. Um, but we've recovered uh, from that, and we're actually doing uh, quite well uh, now. That's great to hear. Now, considering where we're at, what are the top one or two issues that are consuming most of your time today? Well, the pandemic is still uh, number probably number one for us. Uh, just trying to project what the costs are going to be going forward. Our 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 customers are very anxious to get uh, you know this behind them, and and uh, uh, we we understand that they're very curious as to what the impacts are going to be on pricing going forward. So we are very focused uh, on that, but we're trying to move away uh, from that. And one of the other things we're focused on is uh, data transparency. So there's a lot of new regulations coming out for providers and for uh, payers in terms of having to share information uh, that we haven't shared previously. So uh, in 2021, hospitals needed to uh, provide information to their customers as to what they're reimbursed by the payers, and that's searchable on their websites. In 2022, uh, we have to do uh, that and more uh, for uh, not just hospital claims, but all uh, virtually all procedures uh, that we insure. And uh, as a result of that, we expect there to be an unprecedented, unprecedented access to information, and we expect that there will be an opportunity for our customers to do shopping in a way that they haven't done healthcare shopping in the past. So we're very uh, uh, supportive of these efforts to uh, provide transparency to our consumers so they can make the best healthcare choices and find opportunities for themselves that are very uh, affordable and nearby and produce the best outcomes. Um, we're also working to try to understand what the impacts are going to be on us as a payer. Now that every carrier can see what every other carrier pays uh, certain providers, all the providers can see what they're paid. Uh, does this create a change in the dynamic in uh, how negotiations occur between uh, providers and payers? Uh, does it create a dynamic in terms of uh, how payers can try to create an advantage by securing the best discounts in the market? And do those that have uh, lesser discounts uh, use those uh, the roadmap that's put out by the stronger uh, discounted carriers, do they use that as a roadmap to figure out where they're going to go in the future? So we're we're working on that. There's a lot of uh, potential change coming about as a result of this new consumer shopping experience and uh, as a result of what we expect to be uh, information available to our uh, to our customers, to brokers and consultants to try to analyze, uh, you know, who's got the best discounts in the in the marketplace. So uh, lots, lots to come in 2022 on that front. Absolutely. I think that's so interesting to hear. And I was just wondering, uh, from your perspective, um, it's just fascinating to hear about all these cha challenges and things that are changing and, um, you know, what you're needing to meet. Is there anything that you're doing from a um, business perspective, any strategic pivots you're making to meet some of the challenges that are being put forth by the price transparency and other um, factors that are driving change in healthcare today? 
Yeah, so number one thing we're doing is trying to take these uh, requirements and turn them into positives for us. Uh, as I said earlier, there's going to be an opportunity for, for our customers to do shopping. Uh, we are uh, providing tools on our website, uh, what we call our portal, for them to, to do exactly that, use this information uh, for the better and make good uh, consumer healthcare choices. Uh, it's also uh, al allowing us to uh, try to get closer to the consumer in other ways. We are uh, pivoting, trying to get into uh, address uh, the, a surge in mental health uh, uh, problems and you know the Blue Cross Blue Shield Association has highlighted uh, millennial health as an opportunity uh, that it is wants to focus on uh, across the whole association going forward. Uh, we we clearly see there's a strong correlation between uh, good mental health and good uh, healthcare outcomes, and so we are investing a lot of our resources and money into ensuring that we have the capabilities that our consumers uh, are demand and, and, and require uh, to have uh, a great mental health care experience. And uh, we wanna be a, a strong player in that market going forward because uh, we truly believe on whole person health and uh, that you know one part of the healthcare system is strongly uh, correlated and connected with, with another. That makes sense. And thank you so much for going through that with us. Now, I also want to touch on risk-based contracting. How do you see risk-based contracts evolving in the next 12 to 24 months or so? So risk-based contracting, we often refer to as value-based care, uh, trying to provide a uh, the best outcome for our members. So we, uh, we are in a unique position in that we have millions of members that are in a relatively uh, tight geography. And as a result of that, we have advantages in that we can work closely with hospital systems and other provider groups uh, and share information and work together to try to find uh, solutions uh, that uh, will produce better outcomes. And we hope better outcomes will mean healthier consumers, happier consumers. Uh, we hope that those uh, that, that will also drive down uh, if or at least temper the rate of inflation in healthcare, and that as a result, that means that the prices we need to charge for our insurance products, uh, you know, are more manageable for our customers uh, going forward. So, you know, a couple of different things that we're doing, you know, in this space, given uh, that we, uh, as a payer, have very significant analytical capabilities, and we have the ability to look at uh, not only the data and the patients that are, are with a particular hospital or a particular provider group, uh, we can look across our entire uh, population of members that are in the region or across the country and uh, learn from those different uh, uh, providers who's doing well in a particular area, who has an opportunity to improve, and we can share best practices with our uh, provider partners and, and explain to them where they're doing well versus their peers, where they're not doing well. And as a result, we can begin to craft reimbursement models with them that will reward them for moving in the direction that we think produces you know, the best outcome. And so we've been doing that for uh, a number of years and uh, we have really uh, put our uh, foot on the accelerator over the last couple of years because 
we're, we're starting to see that the providers are more receptive to that. The, the providers are building some of their own capabilities to do this own, their own analytical work within their systems. And uh, we are producing more reporting for them. And we're more transparent about sharing that information uh, with them so that they can identify the either the particular uh, approach that they take or uh, problematic facilities or, or individuals in their practices uh, that uh, need to change their behaviors to, uh, to produce the best outcomes. So uh, we think we're really well positioned in this space. And uh, as a result, uh, we hope to be a leader in this going forward. Now, one of the things that uh, you may have heard about uh, last year, we shared uh, a study that had done, uh, we had done that uh, looked at readmissions with uh, one of our provider partners in the Philadelphia area called Penn Medicine. And uh, it, through, through some efforts to identify opportunities for certain procedures uh, to, to manage them differently, uh, we reduced readmissions by 25% for this uh, select set of admissions and select set of uh, uh, procedures. And we're very optimistic that what we learned there can be applied elsewhere, not only with Penn Medicine, but a number of other provider partners uh, that we have. So that's just you know one highlight of the many things that we're doing in this space. Absolutely. That's so great to hear and fantastic that you're able to work with the providers and really personalize the approach so that it makes sense for everybody. Um, and hopefully that in the end of the day, the patient wins in terms of getting the best care possible. Well, before we wrap up our conversation, I'm wondering where do you see the biggest opportunity for innovation in healthcare today? Well, I think we're already seeing uh, that innovation and that innovation is in, in pharmaceuticals. Uh, there are some wonderful uh, life-changing, if not life-saving uh, drugs coming out uh, that have come out and are, are in the pipeline expected to be released in the, in the coming years. We're very excited uh, about all of this, but uh, what we're seeing though is that these new drugs uh, bring with them very significant price tags and that we're concerned that uh, the prices of these uh, drugs will make them unaffordable to those that need them. They'll drive up the cost of our product, our health insurance uh, products that we offer. And uh, we're really focused on uh, working with uh, partners in the pharmaceutical space uh, through the whole continuum from drug development, manufacturing, distribution, you know, payment models and insurance, that whole continuum, and, and then some. How can we all work together uh, to create uh, a, an environment where these drugs are developed and distributed in a cost-effective uh, way so that uh, we can really uh, truly recognize the potential that they bring uh, to the market. We're concerned that if we stay on the track uh, that, that we're on, that it's, it's unsustainable in terms of, of cost increases. And so we are looking for better ways uh, to do that. Uh, and there's, you know, we're obviously we're not involved in in um, things like drug development, but we are doing our part uh, to try to control the pieces of, the, of that puzzle uh, that we can. Uh, there's two different things that we're doing, actually. Uh, we are uh, working uh, with a number of other blues, 17 other blues, actually, and uh, with a company called Civica Script, and they uh, manufacture select high-cost generic drugs. And so hopefully the volume that all those companies 
uh, bring together uh, to these uh, select generic drugs can drive down uh, the cost and make them more affordable for, for our members. And uh, you know, we're very optimistic about that. Otherwise, we wouldn't have signed up for that initiative. In addition to uh, trying to manufacture, get drugs manufactured more inexpensively, we're also focused on uh, working with uh, others in this space to try to manage better political outcomes. So we are uh, one of five uh, blues that are connecting and uh, with a startup called Evio and Evio works to improve uh, clinical outcomes, enhance the experience for our members and, uh, and, and address the drivers of rising pharmaceutical uh, and specialty uh, drug costs. So uh, we're doing different things in this space and we hope that everyone that operates in this space is doing their part and can find ways to come together uh, because we would not wanna squander uh, the wonderful developments that are coming about in terms of new drugs uh, because we can't figure out how to effectively distribute them, how to effectively pay for them, and build them into uh, insurance products like the ones that we offer. That's a really great point. Paul, thank you so much for joining the podcast today. This has been a really fascinating discussion, and I look forward to connecting with you again soon. All right. Thank you, Laura. It's been fun.